0: Good afternoon, and welcome back to the EJS Show on the Liberty Block with Ed, Jody, and Steve. Today, we will be discussing various political issues and current events through conservative and libertarian lenses. This show is being recorded live and will be available within a few hours as a podcast, which can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud by searching for the Liberty Block. Hi, Ed. Welcome. Hi, Jody. Welcome.
1: Hi, Steve. Hi, Jody. Hi, guys.
0: So there is so much to talk about. There's so many things that I wanted to talk about. I'm not sure what we will talk about because I assume the very biggest news that's out there right now is the Kamala Harris pick. So do we want to start with that or start with other things?
2: We'll start with that, I think.
0: Okay, Jody, ladies first.
2: No, Ed, you go first. because
0: Wait, dying. I got to tell a quick joke. I got to tell a quick joke because oh. I'm not sure if it's true. Sebastian Gorka, everybody knows who he is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has a podcast, YouTube, he used to work in the White House. He's a serious guy. He started off his show the other day that a police officer was, I believe, frisking or searching a woman. And a bystander or she said, don't you have a female to do this? And he said, how do you know I don't identify as a female? So I am assuming since it was on the Gorka show, this actually happened. Okay, having said that, Ed, it's all yours.
1: I wonder what relationship that has to Kamala Harris. Or is that more related to Joe Biden?
0: Even I didn't want to go there. (laughs) I think Joe Biden can sniff who they are. But let me me back off, Ed, you get
1: serious. That
2: was classic.
1: Yes. you know, I don't, as far as the the vice presidential pick in normal years, I don't think it's all that big of a deal. Um, I don't think, I think it's even less of a big deal this year. Uh, I think that both sides are preparing for challenging any election result that they, where they lose. I think that's particularly true in the Democrats case, the case that they're making for mail-in voting and for, helicopter dropping of, of ballots all across the country for, for purposes of mail-in voting to me demonstrates an obvious and undeniable intent to en- engage in fraud. So I don't really think that the the identity of the vice presidential candidate is really that important. Um, it's not even clear that they're going to engage in debates. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. I mean, they keep talking about Biden may not debate and he may put conditions on debates and, you know, Biden is certainly not campaigning. He's not out there meeting people. Um, Thomas Friedman of The New York Times has explicitly written articles saying that Biden should not debate Trump. I'm not sure that Harris will debate Pence. Um, But I think the bottom line is, I think that this is a a fraud election and um, I don't think that the identity of the vice presidential candidate really makes much of a difference. Um, And you know just substantively she sort of you know harris sort of reminds me a little of sarah palin politically um you know both were attractive females both came from states that the candidate was going to win and win easily so they didn't add anything electorally um i think sarah palin actually had more substance than kamala harris uh harris um she not only will say anything or do anything that that is required she doesn't have any core beliefs um and i say that because she has attacked joe biden as a segregationist she has attacked joe biden as a sexual predator and yet she still is willing to be on his vice presidential ticket so um i don't think she has a core i think sarah palin had a core but um she was ridiculed as not having one and is not adding any kind of heft to the ticket and i think i I think the same holds true for harris so that's sort of my take on the harris selection i'm happy to you know debate or discuss what you guys think
0: so you don't think it added anything to the ticket electorally
1: no i mean if anything if anything i think it hurt the ticket i mean i i just how can i say this she sort of got this bossy attitude and I'm not so sure that her putting her on the ticket is gonna get any any person to vote for Biden that wasn't already thinking of voting for him. I don't think she brings him any new votes, no. Okay, I
0: mean, obviously we can say that it's hard to understand any human being who is on the fence between Biden and Trump because they're so far apart. So we're only fighting for that tiny segment. So if she didn't help him I don't know that she heard him in terms of she's so extreme, more people will fight harder against Biden than before, or that's
1: going to just balance out. Well, I mean, just her record is, it, she's got a really spotty record. She's, you know, from a libertarian perspective, she's sort of the worst of all worlds in that she was a prosecutor that, that you know, put away, you know, that went after drug crimes that didn't allow... Um, didn't allow uh, exculpatory evidence to be turned over to, to, to defense counsel. She was held, uh, you know, a, a judge actually had to order prisoners released because she wouldn't turn over exculpatory evidence. Um, so on the one hand, she's she's sort of this vindictive prosecutor. But on the other hand, she's all for the Antifa and Black Lives Matter riots right now. So she, she, she's not a law and order person and she's not a and, and, and in so far as she ever does go for law and order as an attorney general, she went after all the wrong people and for the wrong things and in the wrong way. So I just think her record is not good, her core values are not good. She didn't bring anything to the ticket. I, I don't, I'm not impressed by the pick at all.
0: So considering who else he was probably going to pick, she's kind of an even Steven.
1: You know, he sort of boxed himself into a corner by saying that he's only gonna take a black woman. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that there's a Black woman who has the stature and the, and is ready to step in as president that wouldn't have also been a lightning rod and wouldn't have also detracted from the ticket. I think Susan Rice probably would have been potentially the, the best alternative choice of the ones that were discussed. But I mean, her role in Benghazi and, and her role in, uh, in the Obama administration generally would have opened her Biden up to a lot of attacks as well. So I don't really see that there was a good choice once he boxed himself into a, a black woman as a as a candidate. But and per her know, recent answers,
0: more... I believe, to a deposition, I think she's swearing under oath that her memory is as bad as Biden's.
1: Who says that?
0: Isn't that Susan Rice, isn't she answering I don't recall to all the questions about Benghazi talking points? <laughs>
1: um I'm That's not sure that she's saying that. I, I maybe Maybe you just point me to that. You know, I didn't see that before we got on the air, but. Um, but I guess I, you
0: know, like Biden swears he doesn't have memory problems, but apparently Rice is going to swear that she does. Sort of like Hillary Clinton. I can't remember. Okay, Jody, go.
2: Um, oh my gosh, so much. So when we left last week, I was, along with Elliot, kind of hoping that it was going to be Kamala Harris. I was worried about it being Susan Rice, i thought that maybe susan rice i i feel like maybe the american people that sliver of people that is really on the up for grabs part um would remember her maybe because those are the people who aren't necessarily tied to one party they, uh, they may have seen her more through the obama administration i feel like she would have been an, a much easier sell i think And let me just go back to if they don't debate i really hope the american people will not tolerate that if they uh both um biden and harris try to stifle the opportunity for americans to see them debate their opponents i hope they get crushed for that in the in the election um i honestly i can't imagine the american people tolerating that especially in today's age where something like a debate and communication should be absolutely easy and without question, it should be done because as Ed, you compared her with um, Sarah Palin, I don't know enough about her. I know, I know enough that I don't like, but I need to see that debate for those reasons. I need to capture better who she is. The American people need to capture her better. And you know what, in a debate, with Mike Pence, and they can talk about the Trump administration's improvements, the um, criminal justice reform. I mean, he's going to come out on the side of minorities, I think, in an actual debate better than she will. So I think debates are imperative. Um, I think that she probably hurts the ticket rather than helps the ticket. I don't even know that the I know, okay, the Black population that wanted a Black person, I don't think she's going to be their biggest, I don't think she's going to be the one that they would have liked the most because of her prosecutorial history, maybe. And so I don't think she's a good choice. And I will disagree or challenge the thought Ed, of that it's not a big deal. I really feel like the VP candidate for Joe Biden was a huge deal because he's such an unenthusiastic candidate, I really think the enthusiasm for him is so, so small that they needed somebody to sort of mobilize and inspire the left, and I don't think she's going to do it. Well, I'm happy about McCain
0: that. Took, that's why McCain took Palin, by the way. All of us, I assume, agree that there's extremely little chance that Biden would serve out a term.
1: Yes, yes. I don't think I agree. I I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think he once elected, I don't think that he's going to want to surrender power. I mean, and and I don't, and the way they're setting it up, I don't think he'll need to surrender power. He'll just be a figurehead the way he's a figurehead on this campaign. Um, I I think Jody is right. I think you're right about uh, the enthusiasm factor. And I I just wanted to sort of tie that back to something Steve said earlier. Um, I don't think that, I don't think that the election is about the small little sliver of voters that haven't made up their minds yet i think this election is going to be insofar as it's a fair election and the votes are really honestly cast and honestly counted it's going to be about enthusiasm and turnout and harris did not do well in the democratic primaries she did not generate any enthusiasm she did not generate support i don't think that even the democrat base isn't too enthusiastic about her, so right. so I don't see how. I think that she's not going to electrify the base. I mean, maybe she can come up with a good speech. I don't know. I mean, you know, there's so many negative things about her. I mean, you know, the her you know the 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 stories about her relationship with uh, Willie Brown and the way that she apparently got into positions of power in the first place.
0: Yeah. Could you word um, that slightly differently, thing, please?
1: Uh, I think I carefully worded that as best I could.
0: Okay, I'm going to disavow any knowledge of what he
2: wants to give in his hashtag me too story with that. So
0: no, no, I'm just going to disavow that line about positions of power. Go ahead.
1: Um, You know, I think that that's going to turn a lot of people off. And I think that I I just think that she's an off putting person. And I think that if you don't already like her, I don't think she's going to persuade you. She's She's only gonna be able to speak to the already converted. I she think she also
0: has that a little bit of the voice of, you know, what they call your ex wife.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So she doesn't she has a bit of a grating voice. I'll yeah. say that much. Now that's the really but just sort
1: of I'm sorry? Go ahead, go ahead. I was just, just sort of like a, a smug attitude. Besides the attitude, yeah.
0: You
2: know, that's why I really wanna see she and Pence debate. I've I I i want to see biden and trump debate too I, i'm really really those debates have got to happen
0: okay the pressure to not have debates is really being up I think Go listen came out i'm going to be
2: so angry as an american for that to be again of all we th- this is not you know 1801 this even in the middle of a pandemic we should be able to do you know how many people and i used to be one of them really only begin to engage during debates. That's pretty much where they make up their minds. They need to be given the opportunity to see these people in a, you know, format where, you know, they're pressured. They have to answer for this, they have to answer for that. It's a totally different scenario when you see them on separate commercials and there's no pressure to answer a question Debates are so important.
0: Okay, you're forcing me to talk about voting. So I'll get back to Ed's thing about why this is gonna be a fraudulent election. We also have to keep in mind that voting starts very, very soon. I know yep. specifically Virginia, September 18th, I believe, we start voting in this country six weeks before elections. And I, I'm not quite sure how that evolved, but that is unbelievable. So a lot of people are gonna vote. Well in an awful
1: way, days. I think. I'm sorry? I said unbelievable in an awful way, I think. In an
0: awful way, yes, in an awful way. Um, But I know that Trump was trying to make sure there'd be a debate before early elections and he already lost that one. The pressure to not have debates is building. And if that hits a fever pitch, remember the only arm of the culture that can stop that from happening is the media. And the media so, won't want debates either. Even though they make a lot of money on it, maybe, is, they're not going to want a debate, Trump. What's about
2: the it? argument behind not having a debate? What's the argument?
0: There's Trump a virus. Is such I a subhuman. So, I, no, I have a question. Jody. Yes. Jody, I am honored that you show so much respect for me as a person that you will come on a show with me and debate me. I am yeah. honored that Ed feels the same way. Yeah. There is no reason in the world, any human being, should lower themselves to debate Donald Trump, who hates humanity, who's killed tens of thousands of people, who's the most evil person in the history of the world since the Chancellor of the Third Reich. I don't think we should respect him by giving him a debate. That and is way, disgusting. You're taking your head. You know what? How many people believe that?
2: I want to. I want to create a new hashtag. Okay, hold on. Give me a second. Hashtag. Um, hashtag. Deny the debate. Lose the debate. Something like you cannot. You don't get to. It, uh, do a backdoor win on anything when you legitimately refuse to debate. Debate is what we're supposed to be about. So if you're going to refuse to debate, oh, here it is. Hashtag yeah. refuse to debate, lose the debate. Or skip the debate,
0: lose the debate. I
1: like that.
2: Same thing. It's, it's, that's debate. what
1: cancel culture is. They don't, don't want to debate, right? I mean, Because they'll cancel. lose. Because cancel, they'll lose. Right. Cancel culture is about, I'm not going to debate you. I'm just going to silence you and shut you up. Yes. And pretend like you don't exist and make it so that no one else can see that you exist. So, exactly. I mean, I think that, it, you know, refusing to debate is just an extension of cancel culture that they're, that they're running wild with right now.
2: Okay.
0: And if they have less to lose by canceling it than by losing it, I could see them canceling it. And going back to the fraudulent part, Democrats only have to come within a few percent to win. We have to win big. I remember Mark Levin saying this a couple cycles ago. We have to win big. They have to come within two, three percent, because two, three percent, they can find mailbags full of stuff. And I think um, I think Ed alluded to it. I assume you agree, Jody. This election will probably not end on Election Day.
2: Oh, I agree.
0: And it could go for weeks and weeks. And the rule is, um, Ed, I know I'm going to usurp your role as our constitutional expert, but my copy of the Constitution says clearly elections end the first count that gives Democrats the victory. That's the Al Franken rule of elections. That's, one, that's many, one
1: way of interpreting it. John Roberts probably agrees with that. Probably
0: agrees, right. We count until we win, and then we absolutely will not allow another count. It's sort of like Grovey Wade is settled law, but Heller, we have to challenge till we get it. So that is extremely
1: scary. And, and I yeah, think of it more. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think it's more akin to uh, the old communist refrain, one, uh, one vote, one time, to- you know, one vote, one time. Right. I mean, you you can have Uh, a vote until you vote them in and then that's it. No more. I
0: think Stalin who said, I don't care who votes, I care who counts the votes. So I think that's going to be a major problem. And generally speaking, the people on the conservative libertarian side will back down quicker than the other side will, which is why Franken got to win his election and we gave up.
1: I just want to add another another, um, prospect for fraud. In addition to finding... Mail bags of, of votes for Democrats. Um, this whole process of mail-in voting it allows foreign countries, it allows even domestic anim- dom- domestic people to get their hands on the ballots, print duplicates, uh, apply to the registrar voters for a Republican voter list, and they can get my name, they can get your name, they can get Jody's name, and all they have to do is submit a, a duplicate ballot with your name and my or my name and and vote for for either Biden or or the libertarian candidate or some third party candidate and if the the registrar of voters gets two ballots for my name they don't know they don't know which one's the valid one they don't know which one isn't and they're just going to toss both of them
2: whichever one
1: oh no they'll toss them both because they don't know which one is the valid one so in addition to the possibility that they're going to be extra democrat votes i think there's going to be a, a a whole bunch of republican votes that are potentially invalidated by by fraudulent ballots
2: so That's I'm, my i've got a question on that what is the difference between doing that now during a pandemic and doing it when at any other time when you know absentee ballots What's is there a difference is it the same balance
0: are that you send a letter to the elections board saying hi i am jody so-and-so i live at such and such an address I can't come, send me a ballot.
1: Mm-hmm. Correct.
0: Mail-in is, we mail everybody we think has ever lived in this country a ballot. We could go to, I mean, we still get mail. I'm living in my house about 11 years. We get mail from down the block all the time, etc. Mail can be intercepted. Like Ed said, it could even be duplicated. It's just a totally chaotic process.
2: So that brings me to, you know, I live in Illinois. And I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I'm not certain that Illinois, you're all gonna think I'm crazy, but I'm not really certain that it's really liberal, but Chicago is, and their voting process is a nightmare. So I literally go in and try to give them my driver's license when I go to vote and they will not accept it. All they want is my name and my address. Now, why is it, if my neighbor happens to tell me she's not gonna vote in this whatever election, why can't I go back and vote for her? because they will not take my driver's license to prove that I am am who I say I am. So what I'm saying is, I'm not certain that Illinois isn't blue because of fraud.
0: Because- Um, Are many of us alive in 1960 where I believe an election was turned on Chicago fraud?
1: I was thinking exactly that example, Steve.
2: I was 1969, I was born in so fill me in.
0: 1960, the Kennedy-Nixon election. I don't, don't remember the details, but it was stolen by the Kennedys in Chicago. Correct, Ed?
1: Yes. Well, that's the allegation. The Nixon campaign refused to challenge what happened in Chicago, but the allegations were that there were manufactured ballots after after you know, the polls closed, and Sh- Cook County, Chicago, Cook County, which is where Chicago is. Turned Illinois to, um, to to JFK, and that and Illinois was what gave him the election.
0: Yeah, so I mean, we tend to assume that elections are fair and free, but we have a lot, a lot of reason to doubt. And again, the stakes in this one are so high. Yeah, people on the other side are so pumped. There is nothing they would not do to steal an election, and they know we will back down, and they won't. So it's very, very scary. And then you have, of course, the Soros bought and paid for attorneys general. And they're the ones who certify all elections. So we really need to win big.
2: Okay, I didn't know that part.
0: Yeah, that's why he was buying up attorneys general, if for no other reason. So whenever we have these contested elections in states, there is a certain point at which a decision is actually made by the attorney general.
1: I I don't think it's the attorney general, actually. I think it's the secretary of state.
0: Is it? Oh, maybe you're right. Maybe Secretary of State. You're right. I misspoke. Secretary of State, but he's buying them. So the point is, there is a point at which somebody gets to decide, are these the certified votes or not? So we we have to win really, really big, and we have to be really, really willing to fight against an incredibly strong force. So now speak, okay, so moving to a slightly different subject, because we'll segue from the Kamala Harris help Biden's prospects hurt Biden's prospects or even Trump's executive orders were a very big story before the Kamala Harris and before a few other very big stories, but it happened within the last several days, possibly without even going into the details, possibly without saying, are they legal slash constitutional or not? What do they say for him
1: politically, Ed? Do they hurt him? Help politically, him? I think even. they're an absolute genius masterstroke. Um, from what I've read, I think, I think that each one of them has a a sound legal basis for when they get challenged. We may not like that basis, but the reality is lots of statutes that Congress passes and the president has signed in the past wind up giving a lot of discretion to the president, uh, discretion that I don't believe is appropriate, but nonetheless exists, um, But so I think that the legal status of the orders is, if not firm, I I think that there's at least a colorable argument to support them. Um, But as a political matter, I think that they're brilliant. Uh, Trump even tweeted out that uh, Schumer and Pelosi have decided all of a sudden that they want to try and negotiate with him on a a package at this point. Um, I think that that's an indication that they know that they've been outmaneuvered and outfoxed. Um, I think that the the best part of the of the orders is that he's able to provide relief to the American people without providing a penny to the states and localities that are demanding federal bailout money. Um, and I think that was the big stick. That was really the big sticking point for the Democrats to agree to any kind of compromise bill. And if I were Trump, I wouldn't bail these people out at all i wouldn't bail out the states or the localities they have knowingly shut down the economy they have tried they have not only knowingly harmed their own people in their own cities and states but they have they have intentionally tried to blame trump and make this about trump and i don't think trump should try and help him i think you should let him him
0: close to checkmate as he can get
1: if he's willing to press the advantage, yes, I think so. I think this how does was. really
2: play out, Ad? Like, how do you see that playing out? So, if his executive order gets challenged, is this where you see that he wins, or politically, from the political's perspective? So, okay, there's the legal. There's whether or not he wins the legal battle of these, and then there's the political battle.
1: Here's so, the political battle. Okay, the the big thing that that, that Schumer and Pelosi wanted was that. They, first of all, they wanted a $600 extension on the, on the unemployment benefits. Trump and the Republicans wanted, originally said 200 and then they were willing to come up to $400. Um, but the real sticking point was that the Democrats want their states and cities bailed out. You know, these same cities and states that are allowing looters and rioters to burn them to the ground, the same governors and mayors that have shut down their economies and choked off their own income tax base, their own sales tax base, their own gas tax base. They've cut off all their own revenues. And and even before coronavirus, they have mismanaged their economies. They have overspent and undersaved and underfunded pensions, which if you're you're in Illinois, so you know that's a big deal in Illinois. No. It's a big deal in New Jersey where I am. There's a big, deal, a big deal in California and a lot of other states. And that was the price. The, the price of the Democrats set was, we want federal bailout money. For these states and these cities, and the Republicans said, "No, we're not bailing you guys out. You made choices; deal with them." And these executive orders allow the Republicans and allow Trump to say, "Well, we gave the voters what we wanted to give them, and we didn't have to give the Democrats anything." And if a court comes in and tries to strike that down, Trump gets to say, "I did everything I could. Right. You know, we've got this run, out, this out of control judiciary." And these out of control Democrats, and you can't—you got to stop voting for them if you want—if you want relief, you know, I'm willing to give it to you. And and oh by the way, if you vote for Biden, you know, you may have to pay back some of this money, you know, like the payroll tax holiday that he that he implemented. You know, he he's hoping, I'm sure, that Republicans win the Senate, uh, win the House, and hold the Senate, and that he's reelected, and that come January when the new Congress comes in and gets sworn in they'll make that a permanent thing. And I think that he can say during the campaign, hey, if you want that to be permanent, you better vote Republican. And if you, if you let Democrats win, or if, you, or if these judges bar me from doing what I have statutory authority to do, understand these judges are taking money out of your pocket. The Democrats are the ones who are asking them to do it and, and are suing. I, I think that it's, it's a win no matter what for Trump, even if, if the courts strike it down.
2: All right, I believe you. I like it. Well, you know, listen. And if they, I would love the payroll tax holiday to continue, but then they have to stop the spending because, you know, that's true. A spending issue. I wanted to um, bring in. This is just for fun. I don't know if you guys knew this, but, um, okay. Since nineteen ninety four, there have been a thousand executive orders. Let's see. Um, Obama did two seventy six. George Bush, 291. Clinton, 254. So far, Trump, 179. And did you know William Henry Harrison is the only president not to issue an executive order? Well, he was,
1: only, he was president a, for only president for about 40 days.
2: President, yeah. Oh, and then FDR signed the most at 3,721.
0: Well, he was president for about 40 years.
2: Yeah, right. right long time.
0: Harrison. By the way, you know, Elliot and I were talking before and he mentioned one of the things I've been saying for months, if not years. Why do we still finance legislatures?
1: What do you mean by finance legislatures?
0: Um, Last I looked, except for New Hampshire, where they don't get paid, we're paying hundreds of billions of dollars for state legislatures and the the, uh, federal, the national legislature, and they don't do anything anymore. And Please we just God, keep saying, if stuff. we're being run by executive order nationally and in so many of these states, five months into this so called crisis emergency, why do we still bother? All they do is they name post offices and they they uh, scratch each other's backs and give out money to people that no one really has. But they don't make any rules anymore. It's either the executive or the bureaucrats. Why don't you know we what, I have no to disagree salary? with you on that.
1: I have to disagree with you, Steve, especially if you look at the Democrats. The Democrats, they get to work. They get control and they pass laws and they, they implement them. I mean, you know, they rammed Obamacare through in two years during Obama's first two years and we can't get it repealed. That thing's still on the books. They pass laws, they do things. It's really the Republicans that are the do nothing people. They talk a big game, but they don't get things done.
2: Listen. The only thing I want any of them getting done is shrinking the size and cost of government. So unless that's what they're doing, I wish they wouldn't do anything.
0: See, so, Okay, Ed, you make a very good point. I still agree with Jody, but you make a good point, it's true. Republicans do absolutely nothing. Democrats, when they control everything, you're right. They work hard to uh, take more power. But um, if we get back to the crisis and the emergency, so New Hampshire, which I know the two of you probably know how I feel about New Hampshire. I'm a big backer of New Hampshire, the Free State Project, et cetera. Can you still hear me? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I lost power somewhere. The Free State Project, which was designed to select New Hampshire as a state that's both free and relatively easy to keep free because it's a small population, small geographically, um, kind of a teeter-tottering legislature with a very strongly libertarian governor. And Sununu in New Hampshire has been fantastic on gun laws. He's vetoed tens of gun laws, including very recently. But as far as the COVID issue, he's going as crazy as almost any other governor. And just yesterday, he announced a mandatory mask rule. And the people in New Hampshire, who some some of which are still live free and die types, are really, really unhappy. There is someone running in a primary against him. I don't know that she has much of a prayer. If he wins the primary, then obviously all the Republicans are gonna have to fight for him because the alternative is doomed. But even the Republican governors, I think Texas has also put in a whole bunch of executive orders lately. Now, I don't really understand why there are any executive orders five months into a crisis when there's no reason at all. For legislatures not to be meeting and making decisions and i believe that legislatures enjoy not having the responsibility they can go home and say i have nothing to do with it the governor did it the judges did it the bureaucrats did it we don't know anything about it and then people forget mm-hmm. so i don't know why why if you're not going to do anything as a legislature go home
1: well i think that's one of the number i don't know about number one but it's certainly a top five problem in American civics today is, is legislative surrender of power, and both to the executive and to the judiciary. Um, the judiciary has usurped power, but they've really only been able to usurp power because legislatures have refused to exercise the authority that they rightfully have. Um, you know, I'm particularly familiar with Congress's ability to rein in the federal courts, and Congress just doesn't. Congress has power under under the Section Five of the Fourteenth Amendment, Congress has power under uh, Article One and and under Article Three, for that matter, to restrain the judiciary, to control its jurisdiction, Can and you give to an
2: example. Because this is something I don't know about, so right. And just, how, how would that play out? Where Congress would exercise that power? Give me an example.
1: Okay. Um, well, you know, let's take uh, let's take abortion. Which is a, a classic example. If it's up to Congress to say whether or not a state law that that impacts abortion violates the Fourteenth Amendment, and it's up to Congress to, to pass a law and say that that's something that you know we authorize states to allow parental no- notification. We. We prohibit states from having parental notification. We authorize states to have waiting periods. It's up to Congress to do that. And when the Supreme Court issues a decision, it's up to Congress to say, "No, Supreme Court, you got that wrong," and this is, and, and we're going to overrule you, and we're going to deny, we're going to take your jurisdiction away. Supreme Court's jurisdiction, original jurisdiction and appellate jurisdiction, but well, its jurisdiction in the Constitution under Article Three is very limited. It's only a I don't remember all the examples off the top of my head, but it's you know cases involving ambassadors, cases involving two states. There are very few cases that are where the where the Supreme Court gets its jurisdiction directly from the Constitution. Most of it is through congressional statute, and Congress can say you can't you don't have a you don't have jurisdiction to hear this appeal. And you know they've talked about it. You know the Republicans have brought a lot of case a lot of. Uh, Bills to the floor of Congress, where they try and cut off jurisdiction for the court to hear flag burning cases. Now, I think that would be a terrible idea and I, I don't support that, um, but that's an example of Congress actually trying to exercise its authority to rein in the courts and say, no, we're not going to let you issue decisions that that are not that, that we don't agree with. It's up to the, to the legislature to decide whether something violates the 14th Amendment. In my opinion, that's what that if you look at Section five of the 14th Amendment, it says Congress, not the courts, Congress shall have the power to enforce this article by legislation. And so it's up to the Congress to do that. Congress doesn't do it. So it leaves it to the court. The courts look and say, well, is there a right to abortion? Is there a right to gay marriage? Is there a right to whatever? And the court is just playing a deuces wild it's up to to your knowledge to your
0: knowledge am i correct that the congress could defund every court but the supreme court and could limit the jurisdiction of the supreme court to anything they want
1: yes and i think that they even have the authority to uh set to limit the uh, when you say defund congress sets the budget for for the supreme court i mean the chief justice submits a proposal to congress but the supreme court doesn't get to appropriate its own money
0: but it, but it has to exist for the Constitution.
1: Yes, but ultimately, Congress has power of the purse. Congress can, you know, Congress can, well, I guess they can, once once a salary is, is granted, I think that the Article 3 says that the compensation of the judges can't be reduced during their term mm-hmm. in office. So they couldn't defund the salaries paid to the judges, but... Uh, other than that, they can defund just about everything else.
0: I believe when, you know, going back to civics, I don't think 1% of the population realizes that Congress has jurisdiction over almost anything the courts do. I didn't even know that until a couple of years no, ago. What's that? What's that?
2: I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, that, that's really in the Constitution, from my understanding. And that doesn't even get to the issue of where does it say the president has to give in to the Supreme Court. To my knowledge doesn't say that anywhere
1: the constitution doesn't say that congress would argue that the impoundment act of 1974 might say that but you know andrew jackson famously said the court has issued its order now let's see them enforce it um
0: you know in israel this is an incredibly major issue um not to give a lecture on israeli politics israel has no constitution they have a parliament um they have a supreme court and i think 20 30 years ago maybe a little more a little less the chief justice of that supreme court is the word arrogated to himself power is that the right word
1: if it's what if it's where, where you i think you're going yes i think that's okay
0: yes yeah, so he arrogated to the supreme court power over everything he famously said in hebrew everything is justiciable there is not one thing that happens in that country that you can't take to court and they don't have a law of standing there. So if you don't like something going on, you can knock on the doors of the Israeli Supreme Court and they can decide whatever they want. And in the last government, they've been trying to submit and pass an override bill, but they can't get enough votes to even do that. And it's a very, very heavy topic going on. So for instance, if the it's it's so bad The Supreme Court meddles in what the army does. So the army says, because such and such a person killed someone in a terrorist act, we're going to bulldoze their house. The army has their way of saying, this is the law. The cabinet gets together and says, this is the law. The parliament gets together and says, this is the law. Somebody runs to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court says, no, you're not allowed to. It Just happened again two days ago. And the question, of course, is why are they listening? Now there, there's no constitution, which probably makes it even worse than here. But the famous President Jackson line, why do we always back down to the courts? The message we've sent them
1: hasn't done any good for this country. Well, I think the answer to that question is, we've been operating and by we, I think, I mean, we on the right, we are conservative and libertarians. We've been operating on the assumption that the, the social compact is, is in, is, hasn't been broken uh, you know, it's okay. You know, the rule of law is an important value, I think, and it's a important function of uh, a civil society. I don't think that you can have just, uh, laws that are, that are not tethered to anything that where anything can go. Um, I think that respect for, for judicial decision, uh, is, is part of the opposition to anarchy. You know, right now we're we're witnessing what anarchy in the streets looks like when you look at the big cities like Portland and Chicago and New York. Um, but I think that what's what's changing right now is that the the, the social compact is being has been broken and the, the constitution and and the arm of the government is being turned on us. And you know, we've got we've got we've got our own modern day bull Connors that are doing worse than pointing fire hoses and sicking German shepherds at us. We are, we have the police that are chasing us and boarding up gyms and arresting bar owners and, and suspending, you know, bar licenses and, and arresting people who just want to go to work and, and have a, have a normal life. Um, you know, you know, that so we've got, you know.
0: since you're going there, I'm just going to mention some of the stories um, besides the, churches are now holding prayers in Walmart to show the absurdity of you can gather here, you can not gather there. Besides yanking licenses now from bars and restaurants, um, you've probably heard that in California, the governor has said, we're gonna shut off the water.
1: That was the mayor of Los Angeles.
0: Right, Los Angeles, correct. You're on today, Ed. And um, Missouri, I believe, just passed a rule, I don't know if it's a rule or law, but for government employees, they want them wearing masks on Zoom conferences that aren't in person because it shows a good look that the people should just comply.
2: It's insane.
0: So, in I titled this a little section here, if we had enough yet, at what point is something really, really going to explode?
2: Really unbelievable. How quickly people are willing to submit is really- Right,
0: now Jody, About 20 minutes ago, I was going to say that to you because you went there and you said, I don't think the American people will tolerate dot, dot, dot. And I wanted to say to you, would that be the same American people tolerating what we're tolerating?
2: Yeah. yeah. And that is
0: really, really scary. Um, You know, again, I used to be a law and order conservative and I was probably a 99.9% backer of Reagan. And when TSA came about, I was pretty much in favor of it but I've morphed very, very far over the years because I think it's turned us all into sheep. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure what we wouldn't tolerate. And as much as the memes about getting into cattle cars, they're very, very harsh. But if they were sold to us as a health measure, I'm not sure why we wouldn't go. And I've I've put up a whole bunch of stories recently about different states calling racism a health crisis and using that for the same power over us as they're using COVID. And I just threw on the list today an article, a UN economist who said what I've been saying for a while, the climate crisis is at least as important. We've seen how much governments can do to stifle the public. Why aren't we using the same means for climate? And once everybody jumps on that, that bandwagon, the uh, what's the name of that thing, Project 21? What is that thing called for the UN?
1: Agenda 21?
0: Agenda 21. Yeah, once somebody jumps on that wagon that we have this power and we've shown that we can exercise it, doesn't matter what the crisis is, we can just invoke anything as a crisis. And what are we going to do about it?
1: Well, that's the $64,000 question, depending on how inflation applies to $64,000. I mean, you know, I, I'm surprised that we haven't had more of an explosion yet. Um, you know, I, I, I fear that that this election is really the explosion and waiting because it's sort of a perfect storm, no matter who somebody is going to win. And both sides are, are now setting it up so that if they lose, they can claim that it was fraud. And, you know, a stolen election is something that can lead to a civil war and can lead to, to serious violence. I mean, we're seeing serious violence in our cities right now, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I wish I knew the answer of when people were going to say enough is enough. You know, I know you keep saying you, you've used that phrase a couple of times today, Steve. I think it's time for some civil disobedience. I think it's time to start saying no. And, and it, it's time for us to start looking inside our souls and deciding how much of this we're going to take before we fight back.
0: You know, more and more mainstream writers are using words like civil war and secession, even if just writing why we don't want one. But somebody made the very obvious observation that we're geographically mixed, unlike the first time around. And I think if we were geographically separated like in the eighteen fifties and sixties, I think we'd already have a civil war or some type of revolution. Here we're we're actually neighbor against neighbor. And even in New York City there are pockets of extreme conservatives who are about ready to blow. And I don't know where that's gonna end up. Joe, do you want to say something?
2: No, I was So if you look at uh, where the Democrats tend to be and where the conservatives, libertarians tend to be, the Democrats tend to be in the big cities. And I think what we're seeing right now is twofold as far as like the geographics and the demographics of who's where. I'm just saying in the next five to 10 years, no matter what happens in this election cycle, that's gonna shift because I think people in those inner city areas. Look, these are run by Democrats for decades, promising to solve the pr- problems of poverty, promising to solve the problems of violence and drugs, all of these things. Just give us more money and more power and you get to have this beautiful world with, without this stuff. And they're a mess. They're more violent. They have by far not solved the problem of poverty Don't get me started on the education system. But what I think is going to happen, the original, you know, voting with your feet, people are just going to start leaving the inner cities. And please God, when they do, they don't take their liberal votes with them thinking, oh, I'm just going to vote for different Democrats and it's going to be good next time. Hopefully that's not the case.
0: I think you're going back to uh, hope and hope is not good.
2: If you follow the uh, walk away movement, which I follow, and look, it's just the beginning, right? But there's a lot of people um, who are in those environments, minorities, uh, you know, Blacks, gays, they're all waking up. They're starting to see, whoa, 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 I was sold a bag of goods like I did 10 years ago. So I, I think that it's just gonna take time and maybe this civil war is gonna play out in that more, in that way,
0: um, I hope. But you're I don't, what's happening in New York, you know, New York City is just emptying out. It's, apparently Manhattan is akin to a ghost town in many places, except for homeless on the street under the scaffolds. And a lot of the liberal New Yorkers are moving out to the Hamptons permanently. They're moving to other suburban places like Connecticut. But I believe 90 some percent of them will carry their votes with them. So the fact that they're moving to the suburbs probably makes it worse, just like they're moving to Texas makes it it worse, Um, just like moving from Massachusetts to New Hampshire makes it worse. I'd rather lock them in the cities, frankly.
1: Why wouldn't they take their votes with them?
2: No, I'm telling you, there are people who are literally waking up, waking up to the fraud of the promises, to the notion that Democrats aren't about the people. The Democrats are about themselves, which, I mean, every human is, right? But they are rapaciously for themselves, and it doesn't matter what they take from the communities, how how badly they crush the communities. As long as people believe, therefore, the little guy, and they can win and line their pocketbooks and get more powerful, but there are so many people that are waking up. They really they really are.
0: It's very hard to win that battle against the media. That's why I don't think we can win okay. it. Okay,
2: yeah, that was going to be another thing I was going to say is something so different now is we have the fourth leg of government, right? Fourth branch of government, which is the media, and their power Their power may usurp the other three branches. I don't know. It's pretty extraordinary and pretty scary.
0: Um, you know, I... I... I try to read a lot. I admit that I mostly read stuff on my side of the aisle, but every couple of days, I will try to get through an article on a publication like the New Republic or Slate or one of these places. And these people are living in an alternate reality. We are not living in the same world. And it's very difficult to read those articles, but if I believe what they believed, I'd be on their side, and there's nothing in the world that will convince them. Go ahead.
2: Okay, so Steve, you brought that up I think last time or two episodes ago.
0: Okay, listen, excuse me, I am running for president. And Mm -hmm. if I lose my memory, you guys will vote for me. I'm doing this on purpose. (laughs) So
2: no, you had mentioned in closing on one of the episodes recently, you said, you know, if we were, if we all watched this, the three of us, four of us here, if we all watched MSNBC and CNN all day, we would be liberals. And I'm gonna push back and say, I used to watch MSNBC all day, but that's not what made me a liberal. What made me a liberal was never thinking and looking beyond MSNBC. But I can tell you right now, the reason I switched is because I was willing to look at facts and truth brought to me by others and say, well, wait a minute, show me your, show me your facts, show me your data, prove this part wrong. And ultimately it took my own research, but ultimately the data and the truth Made me understand that MSNBC was—they're—they're about politics. They're about perception. They're about not a whole lot of truth. So
0: for every Jody,
2: my point being, pe- those people, those people won't do that. They won't legitimately have their beliefs antagonized with facts and data. They just won't. That's what keeps them liberal. Not MSNBC and not CNN, in my opinion.
0: Um, I just think for every Jody there's so many people being brainwashed by the entire education system and the entire media system that for every one we gain we still lose two or three. That's just my sad opinion.
1: Just, and yeah. don't forget to include all the people all the people they're importing from third world dictatorships in, you know, into our country. Yeah.
0: And, and know, trying to give the vote to.
1: I don't yeah, I mean I don't think I don't think there are too many um Adam Smith's coming from uh, Central Stop America.
0: America. It's, I don't see a, uh, a good trajectory for the right winning against the media and the education system and the fraudulent voting.
2: Well, you know, this whole coronavirus thing could help further that because people are going to, they're having a, a, a sort of government pushed get your kids out of the public <laughs> public system. We're finding alternative ways to educate our kids. And it's going to take a while for Democrats to sort of catch up and say, well, wait a minute. We didn't really mean that you still have to be indoctrinated in our systems. What do you mean you're going to flout that?
0: Okay. I don't know if we mentioned it before that there's a lot of the teachers are furious about remote learning because they don't want parents knowing what they're teaching. That's actually been Printed up like that, and that's pretty scary because parents can listen in on the classes.
1: Well, I think also, you know, this, you know, there's also threats of teacher strikes if they're forced to come into work, and I wouldn't be surprised if Trump turns that around on them at some point and uses it as an argument to start defunding the Department of Education and as an argument to potentially give people tax credits on property taxes that are supposed to go to Funding the schools. Um, I can think of other things that he might do, but uh, if I want to find something positive out of this coronavirus situation and the schools being shut down, number one, it's that our kids are being less indoctrinated than they otherwise might be. And number two, it's sort of a vehicle, a potential vehicle for the beginnings of defunding public education in this country and i think that that's a real possibility Now i don't know that it's going to happen for sure i'm not even sure trump is going to win re-election but i think that there's some some real potential and real hope you know if things go the right way
0: right and not only what we call education we usually refer to k-12 through 12, but obviously university campuses are not functioning a lot of them it's interesting yeah. are they overplaying their hand by refusing to have in person Instruction on the university campuses. Are they I going so. further than they want to? I
2: hope so.
0: We should be using that hope word. What? That hope word was a different election cycle, wasn't it?
2: Cute. Cute. Okay, so I'll come up with a new word.
0: Um, something more active on our part. Not that I know that there's anything we can do. Okay, we're coming up to the end of the hour. I'm going to give everybody long closing statements.
2: Well, I don't have a long closing statement. Do I, let me see, no, so I still- Or quick
0: hits on subjects you wanna cover that we didn't.
2: Yeah, so no, I still wanna, especially since we were just finishing up with our education system, I really do wanna get back to a a wider discussion on two things. Number one, the indoctrination of our children with education. And I'm I'm gonna preface that by saying, and I've said this a million times, I don't mind that our education system teaches the liberal ideology all for it but not just that you have to have somebody you have to have that balance so i I really want to have the discussion and, and i want you to weigh in on is there not because it's really blatant and a lot of it's very scary is there not the ability to have a class action lawsuit why is this legal why are our public dollars allowed to be into a system that is actively discriminating intellectually? How is that legal and why can't we have a, a, a class action lawsuit? I know tons of parents who would be all on board. So that's did
0: y'all see the article about this educator who said two plus two is four is really a crazy. racist European yes, issue?
2: Yes. Yeah. Crazy. Um, and then, oh, and then the college, the education system. I was telling you, I did the I've interviewed the National Association of Scholars and what's happening in our universities is equally distressing and disturbing and people need to understand that it's past time to engage because again, there's not a problem if you want to teach kids why this belief on the left is what it is and here's the supporting whatever, but that it's only that and that will only be tolerated that is not the United States of America, it's just, it's not okay.
1: Well, I don't know that I have time to give a full rebuttal or explanation about the class action lawsuit, but I'll, I'll just say, you know, briefly, it's not possible to, to have education that's devoid of, of content. You can't teach, I mean, there, you know, every every decision as to what goes into the curriculum or not into the curriculum, it has to be done by a human consciousness exercising volitional choice. So to say that there's discrimination is to say that a human being is making choices. Um, I I agree with you on the underlying issue that, that they're shutting out particular voices. Um, But I I mean, I think that's sort of endemic to, to any kind of educational system. I mean, that's just, you know, I'm not saying that I'm for, discrimination i've got that in quotation you know air quotes but um the problem is that the, the problem is that the, they're, they're indoctrinating the wrong ideas and there's just no way around there's no way around that i don't think i think that you have we have to be willing to say you know we have to be willing you know this kind of gets back to what i said in our first and second episodes about you know libertarians being sort of agnostic and moral and amoral about government and the schools are government right they're public schools whereas i don't see how you can be amoral about it i mean it's there's there are moral choices that are involved in every decision as to whether you teach you know columbus or the 1619 project right i mean i suppose you could teach both but then there's a limit on how much time that there, that you can have in the semester or in the school year, right? I mean, tr- making choices as to what's going to be included and not included is just, it, it's unavoidable. So um, I think the, the solution is to have as few of those choices made by the government as possible, um, but.
2: Um, if that's the answer, I'm all for it, but that's, I mean, if it's basically, okay, well, no, you, you gotta just teach civics. You can't be teaching climate change things that, you know, you can't be teaching things that have a particular political bent. How can you I'm gonna stick, in,
0: I'm gonna stick can... in one opinion here, Ed, because I think I have one good argument against you today because I've lost all the other ones. Okay. Um, you don't have to teach math as politics. You don't have to teach English grammar as politics. You don't have to teach geography as politics. You don't have to teach every single subject as politics. Many, many years ago, when I went to social work school, I guess I had to take like 30 classes over a couple of years. And they would say, what classes are you taking? Well, I could give you a list of all the classes, but all but three were on racism. And it didn't matter what we were talking about. And I was coming from a sequestered world and I was shocked no matter what the subject of the class was, no matter what the syllabus said, every single class was on racism. So if we got rid of that part, we get somewhere. And then you're right. History has to be colored one way or the other.
1: Well, and I I think maybe there are certain subjects like math and maybe grammar um, where you're right. Maybe you can strip the politics out of it. But I think most subjects, I mean, I don't see how you can teach civics, even geography. I mean, where should that line be? You know, chemistry,
0: physics, biology, none of these have to be politically based and they are today literally everything is is bent that way
1: correct and and the left injects uh, both sides try and inject their own politics into things um but i I think that there are a lot of subjects where it's it's unavoidable that decisions as to what to include and what not to include in the curriculum are political decisions and they're you know they're, they're just there's there's no way to teach them in a value neutral way i don't think
0: I think uh, Jody wants you to relitigate the Snopes trial.
1: The Scopes trial? Yeah,
0: the uh, monkey trial, right?
1: Yeah. Um, uh, who? Wh- which side would I be defending?
0: I, I have no idea, but um, I just—I'm going to close with one other thought. Last week we spoke a little bit about juries, so I realized, as is usual, I knew very, very little about the subject of jury nullification. But it turns out from some of the articles I've read, there's a dispute what the word actually means and what it refers to, but at least some scholars and probably some of the people at the time of the founders saw jury nullification as the people's final defense against the government, and that you were supposed to say, we don't like this law, and that was a way to fight a law. So that, let's take a mask law right now. If I were being indicted for not wearing my mask in public and being threatened with a year in jail. The jury, according to some, the judge says to the jury, I don't care what you think of the law. If they broke the law, you have to find them guilty. But there were also judges who said no. A judge had a right to say, look, guys, if you don't like this law, there's nothing I can do about it. But part of your job is you get to say not guilty because you hate the law. So I think when we talk about what can the people do against government power, that's a small sliver when things get to that point about what is jury nullification? is it a good idea is it not a good idea but it's some power ostensibly still in the hands of the people
1: right i I actually mentioned that last week or some of that i said that it's an important check on the government Uh, i know that's what the founders had believed and you know you talk about a mask law i mean historically the fugitive slave law was just it was hard to get convictions under the fugitive slave law And it wasn't because judges were instructing juries, if you don't like this law, you don't have to enforce it. It was because people didn't like the law and they just wouldn't enforce it and they didn't give convictions and what. Now It's not like they never gave convictions, but um, I don't think it was because of uh, jury instructions given by the judge. I think it was just, we had an educated populace that understood what the law was and was able to make moral judgments about the law and they just wouldn't come back with convictions.
0: I'm not a lawyer, but from the little bit I've read, apparently in different jurisdictions, there's a different oath that jurors take of whether they have to follow the law or not. Um, We've talked about before the private market fixing things versus government. So I saw an ironic story about the mask problem. And apparently the problem with masks is that people are taking them off or lowering Mm -hmm. them so that their iPhones can turn on by facial recognition. Mm -hmm. And now, I and I forget who it is, or begging Apple to find a way around that. So maybe the private market will get us out of wearing masks because it somehow interferes with iPhone use. So no, <laughs>
2: iPhone's going to come up with a way of, okay, here, we're going to be able to identify you with your mask.
1: With your mask. That's what, That's mask. Mask. That's what they're going to think. Big tech's okay. not on our side.
0: No. no. All right. We're going to close for today. Um, I want to thank everybody for joining us once again. And remind everyone that these podcasts will be available on SoundCloud and on iTunes just by searching for the Liberty Block. Have a wonderful week. Hope to see you back next week, Wednesday at 3 o'clock. Thank you very much. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.